0: Gracious, powerful, magnificent Word. Thank you for your blessings. I thank you for being who, the, who you are. I thank you for your righteous judgment and your abundant grace. I ask you by your might and power, never let us get the two confused. That we must understand that in your world, there has to be justice. If there is no justice, then your son is not king. If there is no equity, your son is not king. If everybody can go along and do everything that they want to, as long as they want to do it, and make a an apology or just say that it's okay because someone has told me that you have unconditional love, then your son will not be the king. You will not be the priest that you have set up for him to be. Father, as we go through this book of Joel and just do a recap. And look at some of the things that people talk about when they look at what is called dispensationalism. When they look at the world ending quickly. Or those that look at it from the vantage point is that you have covenant with your people. And when we look at it, let us look and see that you can speak, you can do, you can speak in what we call figurative language, but you can get your message across. Help us, I pray, in the blessed name of your holy child, Jesus, to let your message speak and the relevance of your truth come out. Amen, amen, and amen. In the book of Joel, where we were, We've already gone through the different problems that Israel had. The reason God had to put them in the position that they were put in, it was because of their wickedness. Wickedness is when an individual determines to be rebellious. What do you mean, Tim? Wickedness is when an individual chooses to be rebellious. When a talent was given to one person and another two talents were given to another person, and then to another person, they were given five. There were three sets of people. There were three different amounts of talent. One was given one talent. One was given two talents. One was given five. And the one with the five, he was busy about the father's business, and he was benefited. He was blessed. He got more in return than what he had. He got five more, and then there was another added. Then there was another one that had two talents. He was busy about the business of his master, and he gained two, and he received cities. Then there was one that was rebellious. I got your talent. I'll wrap it up in a napkin and cover it. I'm not interested in promoting your kingdom. I'm not interested in doing your will. I'm not interested in not only promoting your kingdom and doing your work. I'm interested in doing what I want to do the way that I want to do it. And doing something for you is is a drag on my life. Wickedness is when an individual has been forgiven by the Most High God. And has been taught by the Most High God that whenever restitution takes place, that you will forgive. Because when we read in Exodus chapter 20, chapters 21, 2, and 3, and we see that the Most High God who is blessed forever, a man who sits between the cherubim and does not play with fools, when he determines what is necessary for restitution, when he determines what is right for justice, whenever he tells the individual to pay back that which he has stolen, to restore or to make whole, if you burn somebody's yard down or burn down their crop, you go ahead and you make that right. I have given you everything that's necessary to promote a feeling of love. Notice I said promote a feeling of love because the love is already demanded.
1: Did you get it? Love is demanded. Feeling can come subsequent. So when we see in the parable in the
0: 18th chapter of the book of Matthew, there is an individual that owes his master over a year and a half worth of work. Well, let me just say over a year and a half worth of money that your work would pay for. And he goes and he begs, please, 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 please. And he begs God. Uh, We say God, I say God because the man in the parable is going to be God or he's going to be likened to God. But let's just say he begs the master and the master forgives him of that debt. Then he goes
1: out and finds someone else that owes him a debt. That's about a month, a month and a half worth. And the man begs him,
0: please, please forgive. You want to hear the song again?
2: Please. Please, please.
0: He begs. Then the man will not forgive. He demands that the man be locked up.
1: I believe he wanted the children sold. He treats that man with utter contempt. Then those that were also
0: under that master, they wouldn't tell their master what
1: this wicked man did when he wouldn't forgive. And the one that had forgiven the other
0: man, he came to him and he says, didn't I forgive you all of that debt because you desired? You had promised that you would give me restitution if I gave you time. You had promised, you had acknowledged that you owed me. You had acknowledged that you were in my debt and you said you would pay. And I frankly forgave you. Now no now now this other man He came to you
1: with the same thing You why didn't you at least allow him the opportunity to pay it? But you put him in a position where he can never pay it back. You locked him down. You did not allow forgiveness to take place.
0: And the Bible says that Jesus called that man wicked for that. Not because he was he was sexing, not because he was choking people, not because he was burning down people's property. It was because he wouldn't forgive when the individual came to him, and the individual had brought forth or was bringing forth fruit meat for repentance. It's imperative that we learn what fruit is meat for repentance. Else you start taking and collapsing the scriptures and you think that everybody is always supposed to be forgiven for what they do and justice is to never take place. What Bible did you
1: find that in? The Bubblegum Chewing Gum Popcorn Bible? Where'd you find it in? The Christopher Hitchin, Richard Dawkins Bible? Oh, you found it in the one that goes by
0: feelings, like Morris Albert used to say, Feelings, nothing more than feelings, trying to forget my feelings of love. Listen to me, please. When the individual came to get forgiveness and he had promised to pay, he is showing that I'm willing to acknowledge what I owe, to pay what I owe, and I'm not lying. I'm not lying. When you breathe for fruit, meat for repentance, you don't come with a lying heart. You don't come with subterfuge. You don't go and tell people that the man that I owe money to, he's a dog. He's a thief. He ain't worth a tinker's damn in the morning. And I've told you a tinker's dam is the little bitty piece of metal or mud that they put in the bottom of a pan when they take the solder and fix
1: the hole. You don't go and slander the man that you have done wrong. You don't go and try to destroy him to make yourself look like you don't owe.
0: The man brought forth fruit, meat for repentance, and he wouldn't forgive. And so his master said, you wicked servant. I forgave you all of that because you desired it. Take the forgiveness. Take what is his. Deliver him over to the tormentors. In the 18th chapter, the beautiful 18th chapter, the 35th verse of Matthew says, so shall my heavenly father do to every one of you that don't forgive from your heart. I don't care what any of my brothers say that love God. And they have a diametrically opposition in their heart or a diametric opposition in their theology that says that once you're saved, you're always saved. I go by the one who gave himself for me. I don't frustrate what God has said with somebody else. He said he would take the forgiveness back and that person will be put into outer torment. Oh yes, I know people will say, You don't teach theology from a parable. I don't teach what you tell me to teach. When I lay in the box and I'm dead, I want to be satisfied that I read what you said. I know what you said. I know where it's coming from when you talk about restitution. I know what it means when it talks about forgiveness and I know what it means to bring forth fruit, meat for repentance. Because when I look at Matthew chapter three, I see that John the Baptist tell those rascals, he said, who told you to sleep on the
1: wrath to come? Who told you? I didn't tell you. The axe is already laid at the root of your trees.
0: Now you bring forth fruit, meat for a repentance. Because I call you a brood of vipers. What does that have to do with the book of Joel? In the book of Joel in chapter 3, we're
1: in the valley of decision. There comes a time when God has to bust your backside.
0: Yes, I said backside. I didn't say donkey or the other word. There comes a time that God has to execute his judgment. And this is what's being shown in the book of Joel. Now I have this book here. This book is by a dispensationalist. His name is J. Barton Payne. For those that don't know what dispensationalism is, I'm not going to teach you all of it, but I'll just tell you in brief that's what I first learned. When I started learning about what is called eschatology, the last days, I used to read J. Dwight Pentecost, John Volver, Dave Hunt, uh, Clarence Larkin, a multiplicity of people I had already stopped by the time Tim LaHaye came. John Hagee, different ones, uh, Dr. Paul Walker, and what happens is you collapse everything to where the end of the world is coming, and Israel. And no, normally, Israel would be the people that are Askenazic that came with Theodore Herzl with the Balfour Agreement. They get a. They get to go and get the land over there in Israel, and that will be theirs and they get to have what is called a millennium, and they get to fulfill everything in the book of Ezekiel, and then what we call our European brothers that have also taken over the scriptures insofar as having the Gutenberg Press, insofar as owning all of the printing companies, pretty much, and owning all of the publishing and set up the schools. They get to be what you call the elect. And the elect, they get to go to heaven. Now, notice When I do that, I have done what is called, I have done a collapsing. Because some of my brethren that get to have the opportunity to over be the overlords over the press and over what you get to learn. Some of them don't believe in what we call the pre rapture. Some of them believe in post-meal that in other words God's kingdom is to be on the earth now and there is no separation between Israel and there is no separation between the children of God. They all come into one. It's called covenantalism. Under dispensationalism there is a uh, there's a theme that goes for Israel. There's a theme that goes for the other people that get to get caught up in the rapture. If you ever watch TBN in the old days, there will be a man named Paul and Paul Cross his wife Jan, and this was Paul before he was sued for his indiscretion and his ungodliness. And he's like,
3: Oh Paul, we gotta get caught up in the rapture and Jesus. Jesus is coming. Jesus, it will send you a little thing if you send us a little money.
1: And And then somebody else will come and sell you holy water. Two tears. Well, the book of Joel will allow that to be taught. The dispensational point of view,
0: two tears. But it's not going to allow it to be for the Germans, the Askenazes. But it will be that way because different ones have determined that before you even learn anything about the Bible, we're not going to count anything with the Emanuel Bowen maps. We're not going to count anything about the history, geography, or the ethnicity of the people there. We're just going to automatically assume that the people in Israel right now will be exactly the same people that are there now. And so we're going to say that they're going to be here. They're going to be given the land, and they're going to have what is called a millennium. The other people
1: say that everything is figurative. Tim, do you know the answer to all of it? No. Hate to tell you that. Hurts my heart. Hurts me. Hurts me. Let's say like old folks,
0: it hurts me bad. But I can meaningfully go through this passage. And I can meaningfully show you that the judgment of God is on people that are outside of his will and mercy can run out I, I'm, I'm telling you the truth that the judgment of God has to take place in this land and in God's mercy can run out so let's go through and do our last recap of this at this time going through the book of Joel I do have some things here that I may read because I see some things in this Encyclopedia of Biblical Prop- Prophecy that has some good insights on some fulfillment of things in the script and then there are some they just throw everything into the millennium when we don't know when it's going to happen or if it didn't happen they say well that's going to be in the millennium the thousand years when Jesus comes back according to the way dispensationalism teaches Jesus comes back in the rapture you get caught up in the heaven and then during the time that you're caught up in heaven the tribulation takes place on the earth etc etc three in one Joel For behold, in those days, and at that time, when I will bring again the captivity of Judah from Jerusalem. I want you to at least notice that there is something that's poignant there. There is a captivity of his people, Judah and Jerusalem. So, it will not matter, it should not matter, that this is to take place, or has taken place, whether a person is what we call covenantal or dispensational. But I'm going to quit making this different differentiation for, for a while because I want to explain the passage. For behold, in those days and that time when I bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem. I will also gather all nations. I will bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And I will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel. Whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. So in these two verses here, a particular time is going to take place. And it says, in those days and at that time or those times, I will bring back the slaves. I will bring back the captivity. I will bring back those that I have scattered. He scattered the people in 722 BC. He scattered them in three deportations because they did wickedly in the book of Judah. I call it the book of Judah actually it is the kingdom of Judah we find it in the book of Jeremiah we see some of it taking place in Second Kings, we see some of it taking place in Second Chronicles and we see a little bit of it in Jeremiah I will bring back the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem I will gather all nations in other words, the time is going to come that there is going to be some reciprocity for what has been done to my people, there is going to come a time when there is going to be judgment, there is going to come a time when mercy has run out. There's going to come a time when I'm going to show that I'm the only wise potentate. King of kings, Lord of lords, bless God forever. Amen while I take a sip of water. Go ahead and bless him while I take this sip. Thank you, precious love. I will get all nations. I will bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, the valley of decisions. I'm going to bring them back. It's
1: going to be time to show out. For the longest the nations have come and plundered my people. For the longest
0: the nations have come in and took lands. They've come in and taken people and sold them. They've come in and tried to destroy my way of life that I've taught my people. They've come in and made it as if Listen to 1 Samuel chapter five. When they came and took the beautiful ark of the covenant, I thought it was beautiful because of the way it looked, but it was really beautiful because of who happened to dwell between the cherubim. And they took that thing to Dagon's house, and I was a young boy when I was reading that. One of the funniest episodes ever. One day day gun on the floor, his hands cut off, and another day something else cut off, then his head's cut head cut off. And then when the people still don't get it. That there was a valley of decision, a small decision, right there in the point of that gun. You gotta, do I need to fix some precious love? No, so, no, I'm on the, I'm on the I'm on this. Yes, I can turn it down. It's working too well tonight. It
2: keeps
0: How about that? Is He'll that better?
2: Talk some more. Okay,
0: pass. so let me go back to what I was saying. And so now there came a valley or uh, a time of decision in that temple of that gun, gun, if necessary, we can, we can move this closer to me. And it came that time when there was a
1: decision and they got their head, that gun got his head cut off. Then the people still didn't get it. And they took the Ark of the Covenant and they tried to treat it like a talisman. And God
0: gave them a whole lot of rats and mice. Then He gave them, King James called it emeralds. But the emeralds were in the bottom. I say, but if you don't like it, then turn off the thing. I'm telling you, like they were all in their hiding. That's a nice way to say it. And somebody, somebody made golden mice and they made golden emeralds and they sent them back. The point being made is that Yahweh has shown that there's a time that I will execute my judgment. And so now in the book of Joel, he is saying that the time has come that you scattered my people. And now there's time for judgment. You've done your dirt. It's time for you to pay. It's not time for you to come and repent now. Repenting time is over. What, the, what have you done? You cast lots for my people. You act as if my people were your heritage. And what else did you do? You've given a boy for a whore or for a harlot. I don't know if you've given a boy to another man to use it as a harlot. They treat him like the Greeks did with their catamites. What do you mean catamites? Pederasty. You got a male, usually he would be older, young boy want to learn a trade, or whatever it was, he would take that boy, they call him a catamite, and he would go and he would take that feminine part, have sex with that boy, sometimes he would have sex with the boy because that was more fun for them, and they would use their women to have children. Then there were times when they didn't have sex with them, but they would do all other types of sexual things with them because they say having sex with them would totally feminize it. So I don't know if you did that, or if you took a boy and say, I, "I want her, and I'll give you this boy that can work your fields for her." Remember, Judah gave a sheep for sex, but he didn't have the sheep with him, so he left his left his staff, he left his signet etc. But there is no doubt you gave you sold a girl for wine. I don't know if you were soldiers doing this, but you but these were my people. This is the point. These were my people that you treated like this. Verse number four says, Yay! And what have you to do with me, O Tyre, and Zidon, and all the coast of Palestine? Will you render me pay? Will you render me a recompense? And if you recompense me, listen, swiftly and speedily, I will return your recompense on your head.
1: In the valley of decision! There comes a time that now you get what they call in the Latin word lex
0: law talionis. You're going to pay for what you've done. Your crime, your penalty must fit your crime. And so now you sold the boy, you sold the girl, you sold my people, you've abused my
1: people, and now I'm going to return your recompense on your head. This is why I don't like most Christian-hearted people.
0: Change your voice to him. This is why I don't like most Christian-hearted people, because most Christian-hearted people they will allow people to rape you, to rob you, to destroy your home, to destroy your car, to destroy your business, to destroy your reputation, and just say forgive, forgive. And Drina, before I knew you, I, I used to be a boy, and I would buy songs, buy sheet music. I go to the Christian store. to to buy songs, and if I thought the song was pretty, Yolanda would play it, or sometimes I would
1: hear a song, and just for the sake of how Christian-hearted a song can be, it
0: was a song that says, I hope I don't mess it up, but if I do, then just bear with it. It says, I ask the Lord to comfort me when things Weren't going my way. He said to me. I will comfort you. And lift your cares away.
3: I asked the Lord. To
0: walk with me. When darkness was all. That I knew. He said to me. Never be afraid. Don't that sound Christian hearty? For
3: I will see
0: you through. And he goes on say, You didn't ask for riches and all that he gave me wealth untold. But the refrain, the last part of that song, it says, And
3: though it makes him sad to see the way we live, he'll always say,
0: I forgive.
1: That's... I should say that! No! Oh. Listen, though it makes him sad to see the way we live, he'll always
3: say, I... I
0: have a
1: question
3: though.
0: Oh my God, Joshua didn't know anything about that. Joshua says, um, it, it, God is holy. You can't serve the Lord. He's holy. And after he's done you good, he would do you hurt if you turn from him. Moses gave chapter 28 and 15 through Deuteronomy all the way through and says, uh-uh, he will not always forgive. Revelation, the, the the notes to the churches. If you don't repent, I'll remove your candlestick. If you don't repent, you won't rule and reign with me. You sing songs like this. And this is how we teach other people. We teach them through ungodly songs. Where in the Bible does it say he always forgives? He why did he always forgive these people? You say they weren't in covenant with him. He's still the creator of the ends of the world. Don't go
1: telling me he didn't create these people. You're telling me a God damnable lie. It says. I will return your recompense upon your own head. Does it look like Allah always forgives? Does it look
0: like it? Somebody said, These are people that are outside of the covenant. Really, when I start quoting to you what he told, what Joshua told people, those covenant people. When I told you what he says in the book of the Revelation to the seven churches, those are covenant people. When I gave you the parable when I started with, when the man that didn't forgive, those were covenant people. When I showed you the rebellious that had a talent and he buried it his, that was covenant people. Where is it that it comes from? That there does not come a time that God executes
1: his judgment. He is still
0: change your voice, the God of all the earth. So he says If you recompense me, swiftly and speedily I will return your recompense on your own head. If this is the will of God, and I don't mean it if in so far as modus ponens, if then I mean sense. If in the sense of sense. Since this is the way God operates, why do we not pray for God more often to swiftly execute judgment on the wicked? Why do we not pray for God to kill? And put to death to pedophiles why do we not pray and ask God when they going in and you're bombing people and you're burning things and you're destroying business for God to execute his judgment why do we not ask God to avenge those that are abusing people in the home why do we not ask God to avenge those that are abusing people on the job why do we not ask God to avenge those that are in the church molesting people doing pedophilia
1: and actually doing what we call nepotism in a way that hurts people here we see that this is the way of God
0: I will return your recompense upon your own head but if you don't know anything about the Psalms you don't know anything about people dying you don't know anything about people digging pits and God letting it come and be a snare for themselves verse number 5 because you have taken my silver and my gold and have carried them into your temple my pleasant things I talked about that they did that on the different time I just brought up Dagon they did the same thing in Jerusalem uh, during the time of the one of the deportations I would say I don't know if it was the first deportation it might have been all three of them and Nebuchadnezzar carried them back and we see the same thing in 70 AD but I will submit to you that many times we may not they may not be carrying gold and silver but they carry our heritage they carry our knowledge They carry that which God has given us to be a blessing, and they take it away from us little by little, and they get rid rid of it in our lives. Let me give you the quickest illustration. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, most people only know them as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They've already carried the precious metals. Now they want to carry and take away that which God has given them. Give them the king's food. Give them the king's status. Give them every dainty that was being given. And Daniel and those other three men said, no, we just want pulse." And God eventually executed his judgment on all of Babylon. Well, people may not understand. They may not see that God executed his judgment. But if you know anything about the fiery furnace, that was him executing judgment. If you know anything about Daniel being thrown in the lion's den and God sparing him and everybody that had him thrown in there, they were killed. You begin to understand. If you get to see anything when the rioters come through, you begin to understand. He executed judgment
1: on those that executed judgment on his people. And it was without remedy. It was without mercy. So he
0: says, The children of Judah and the children of Jerusalem, you have sold unto the Grecian. You took my children and you sold them to the Grecians. You sold them to the Europeans. Now what Tim, why do you say Europeans? Because I want you to understand when you read your Bible that these are real people. They are not invisible people like when you look at this water and you look through it. It's not really invisible, but you can see through it. These are real people. So what do you, how, does it, how does it go? How did, how did that take place?
1: May we read it? First Maccabees. Tim, why you read Maccabees? It's not in your Bible. I own a lot of books. And a lot of the scholars are always going in, into what is called the intertestamental period, giving me
0: information. I determine one day, I don't need them to have to tell me what to do. They do it. I can do it. Who's to tell me what I'm not to be able to look at? And they do. How to get? To, how you get to be able to do it, and I can't. That, that doesn't make sense in my world. So, I'm at First Maccabees three and forty. Listen, what took place? It says so. They went forth with all their power and came and pitched by Emmaus in the plain country. You all know something about Emmaus when we're in Luke chapter 24, but we're not there now. And it says, All the merchants of the country, hearing the fame of them, took silver and gold and much with servants, and came to the camp to buy the children of Israel for slaves. A power also of Syria and of the land of the Philistines joined themselves unto them. Listen to this. Now when Judas Judas Maccabeus and his brethren saw that the misery were multiplied, and that the forces did encamp themselves in the borders, for they knew how the king had given commandment to destroy the people and utterly abolish them, they said one to another, Let us restore the decayed estate of our people, and let us fight for our people and the sanctuary. Then the congregation gathered together, that they might be ready for battle, that they might pray and ask mercy and compassion. Tim, 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 tim. Why did you read that? I want you to understand that is always the nations
1: coming against God's people. But the one thing, Lord, have mercy, change your voice, Tim. The one thing that gives them the victory is when we turn our back on God.
0: You see, before they ever want to attack us, they can't do it until we turn away from him. And when he moves his hedge of protection, anything can happen. So then when the hedge of protection is gone, we get a chance to see what they would have already have done to us long ago if it hadn't been for the almighty God. They sold them. They made it they made together to sell them. Not only did they mistreat them, they wanted to utterly destroy them. They wanted to destroy their estate. But one man, one man said, look, we need to come together and we must fight. There comes a time judgment must take place. Let's come together and fight. Let's not just fight because we come together to fight. Let us come and pray to God. Let us come and pray to him by his power so that he will help us and guide us in the dealing with this situation so that the judgment can be executed on these people
1: that are executing judgment on us that have declared war. We won't even do that in prayer. That's the point.
0: Yes, we are the exact, the exact same people. Look at your DNA. Go learn Go learn what a haplogroup is. Go learn what E1B1A is about. And then go and look at answers and genesis, and you'll see Ken Ham got a guy on that. He's starting to talk about this, which Ron Dalton has been talking about many years, but because he was... But it didn't matter. It'll start mattering probably within the next three to five years when more and more of our Caucasian brothers do that because often when we have scholarship, it's not counted until somebody says, oh, that's good. Oh, that's acceptable. We'll let you be peer-reviewed. Well, I don't care about that. I want the truth. Again, the point being made, he didn't say, let us come together and ask God for mercy, but that he would save our enemies or that he would turn our enemies around. No doubt if God would turn the enemies around, great, but there would still be some judgment that has to take place. We don't even pray and ask God, Lord, they're trying to take our children. They're trying to take away the sex of our children, that they can be like God and choose the sex of our children for us. Choose the lifestyle of our children for us. Choose what is right and wrong for our children. Father, they are wanting to be God in your place for us. And I will submit to you that those that don't like the righteous judgment of God, they are just as guilty because they will never want you to stand for God's righteous judgment. They will not want you to speak God's righteous judgment. And they will always tell you,
1: let it go, forgive. And you don't know most of the time enough about God's word that carries 15 cents worth of candy in your pocket. How in the world so many people have so much to say about God's word
0: and you start asking what is God's law about restitution? What is God's law about rape? What is God's law about whenever you disobey your parents? What is God's law about all of the things that matter? And like, just
1: forgive. You don't see that anywhere in the Bible. There are prerequisites to certain types of forgiveness. There are some
0: forgiveness that's different, and I may have to talk about it in discussion, but I want to go back to my text. I showed that there comes a time that people that's following God, they will execute God's judgment. Because if you know anything about that intertestamental period, God gave those men some of the most miraculous type of wars. It make you think of David's mighty men during the time of when he had the Carthites and Benaiah and et cetera. Verse number 6, the children of Judah and the children of Jerusalem have sold, you sold to the Grecians. The Grecians under Alexander of Macedon. They call him Alexander the Great. I prefer to call him Alexander the Greek. Um, the lifestyle that he had, the wickedness that he did, that he promoted, the things that he did, the, the, the ravaging of people and the stealing and the taking and the plundering. But you know what? They sold to the Grecians. They came with Antiochus or the Seleucids and took over this land that we had. And then, if you if actually if I'd have read it, you know it, Tim, you ought to read it because if you don't read it, people will think you're making it up. Still in First Maccabees chapter three, verse number forty-eight. Listen to what it said that these people, these Greeks did, and they laid open the book of the law. Wherein the heathen had sought to paint the likenesses or the likeness of their enemies. Do you understand that? They sought to paint their likeness. So maybe you paint a Zeus, maybe you paint a Hercules, maybe you paint different ones, Minerva, etc. You paint your likenesses in so we can get rid of the likeness of who is really there. Or you, or even if you didn't have a likeness, because you weren't supposed to have an image, we're gonna paint. I was in there. We're gonna give you another history in the same way that that's why in Babylon you have a lot of stuff talking about giants the Gilgamesh and all of this kind of stuff. I'm not going into Gilgamesh right now. But let's go back to our beautiful text, verse, the last part, number of number six. You sold them to you sold them to the Grecians that you might remove them far from their border. This is why this is why the wicked want to remove us from God. This is why the wicked want to take us away from him and these things happen and so what happens with us is. We don't realize that these tactics of war to remove you from your steadfastness, to remove you from the Word of God, to remove you from His covenant, to remove you from what He's doing. You might see it when they take your land. You might cry. You might see that they take your children, and you might cry. But if you never understand that the boundaries or the borders that God has given you, once those are removed, your protection is gone. Verse number eight. So Yahweh says, "I will sell." your sons and your daughters into the hand of the children of Judah. Do you know that's a day of rejoicing? This is the righteous judgment of God for what you've done. How
3: dare you say, well we don't so and so and so and so. Since when do you get to override his judgment? Since when do you get to have a judgment that can supersede
0: the judgment of God when he's exercising his judgment on the wicked? This is why we don't understand. We don't exercise dominion because we're laying down passive and waiting for Santa Claus to come through with the reindeer and the reindeer games of Rudolph and give us a bag of toys. Verse number seven. I will raise them out of the place whither you have sold them. I will return your recompense to your own head. This is one of the passages that people will take and will apply to the Germans, the Askenaz, and say that this is Israel in the land. John Hague is a big one of that. And, uh, you know, I, like I've told people, I think he speaks better than I do. I don't care. You know, there, there are people that don't speak well that can knock you out, okay? There are people that don't speak well, fish car. This man says, I will raise them out of the place where you have sold them, and I will return your recompense on your own head. Do you see this is the same thing he said before? We don't understand that when people continually do things that are wicked, when people have continually done things against the people of God, there does come a time when the Lord God, Hence, When his son comes, and when he, not just when he comes, but when he's executing judgment, that those people receive their just due. But you have people that don't want it to happen.
1: No, no. Let's just
0: save everybody. But so there's a big teaching that is called universalism, annihilationism, where there is no hell for anybody. And there's a big thing going on. You have a lot of people that's teaching this and saying it. A lot of the publishing companies are letting it out heard a man the other day talk about it, and say, many of you all that feel the same way, that's in scholarship, if you always just go out and say it and take one for the rest of us, then it will get to be more spread. You see, you can do that when you weren't the people that received the book.
1: When you're the one that confiscated the book. You didn't, this book was not written in Europe, but yet, we are the purveyors.
0: Yet we know everything about it. Well, you know a lot because God allows you to make Israel jealous. Okay, that's what the Bible said would happen. Verse eight: And I will sell your sons and daughters into the hand of Judah, and they will sell them to the Sabians or Arabians to a people of fall. For Yahweh has spoken it. The time will come, and the time has come that people were sold. Let me let me show you something because this book reports to give some of the information that was fulfilled. So somebody say Tim, do you know for sure? Some of it is that I remember I told you that it comes from a dispensational point of view. And by coming from a dispensational point of view, I look at it and then I look at the part and I try to see his part and then I understand that the Bible wasn't written by Schofield. Those notes came from the Lotus Club. That was promoting Zionism. But in this verse here, when he says, I will return, Hmm? the name of the book is Encyclopedia of Biblical Prophecy. Listen to what it gave itself as a name. The complete
1: God. Up to scriptural predictions and their fulfillment. J. Barton Payne. But men like Ken Gentry. Men like
0: Gary DeMar and many of the old scholars would beg to differ but the book still has some information in it I like and therefore I have it when we looked and we talked about these things that is going on with this group and how they've done and what they've done to God's people and how he's made, got upset with them I want you to look back with me at verse 4 when it was tired and sighting I want to, to bring a group of them together I want you to hear what happened with Tyre and in, in the third verse, at the last part, well, it's the first part of the verse, and then it goes on down. O Tyre and Zite, and, and all the coast of Philistine, will you render me a recompense? And that's where I showed it with Judge. Here it says, Against Tyre, I will return your recompense on your own head. The slave trading captains, captives of Judea, they sold, it was sold to the Greeks. And it talks about in 2 Chronicles 28, 17, and 18. To a reward of kind. The Tyrenians and the people of Gaza and Philistia were sold into slavery by Alexander the Great in 332. No doubt, Jews
1: were among the buyers. So, the very thing that God said would happen. Do you get me?
0: Alexander the Greek sold them. Tim, it said great. Well, I said great. I told you why I said Greek. In 3 and 4, when it talks about Zidon. But their selling of slavery was 13 years earlier under Artaxerxes III. Now, if you had this book, it would tell you that this was in period 9. So when you look at this book, it will tell you period. So under period 9, it says the Persian. This book may be difficult. you may not like it, but I've learned to navigate it okay I prefer it I would prefer it to be digital. click, click, click. instead of it back and forth. Then it says here, it was under number nine under the Persian. the city had revolted in three fifty one Listen to it again. They were sold thirteen years earlier because the he's assuming he knows when Joel's Joel was written, but I have maybe fifty to seventy commentaries. And nobody did I see say that they know the exact date. But it says they're selling into the slavery was 13 years earlier under III, the third, the Persians. The city revolted after they had been taken in captivity in 351 and finally reduced to ashes and many were slain in 345. God had said judgment would take place. Now you say, but Tim, what about the last days? Haven't we seen God's pattern when I first showed you the day of the Lord when he came to Adam and Eve? Haven't I shown you, I said, because I gave you all the picture that Meredith Klein went through and he talked about the
1: Lord coming in the garden, in the cool of the day, or the spirit of the day. I've shown you his judgment throughout. Here,
0: you see judgment pronounced on these people. Please don't ever think that we're going to escape the judgment of God. If you don't have one scripture that you can show that will happen to America, that will show that can happen to China, that will show that will happen to Belgium, just remember this one scripture that the wicked shall be turned into what? And all of the nations Nations. that forget God. And then, 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 think about this. Psalm 2. Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Why did they want to cast the Lord's bands off in his court? Do you know the Lord will have them in derision? Do you know that he will laugh at them? He has sent his king on his holy hill to execute judgment, not to execute, listen, not to execute forgiveness. There comes a time that when you don't do like Psalm 2 and kiss the Son, you'll get angry. I didn't need to read it, did I? Was, I? was I clear enough in explaining it? Bless God forever. Amen. Let's go back to our sweetest verse. I wanted to show you one more, but I'll wait till I get to it. But these are the things that have happened. And the other thing, the Persians sold them, and Greeks sold them, and they, Judah bought some. It's just showing that the things happened, that they did get recompense in the very way that they did them. Let me pull back down in my text, verse number 8. And I will sell your sons and daughters into the hand of the children of Judah. They shall sell them to the Sabians to a people of Far for Yahweh has spoken it. Yet judgment comes on you. That's why we need to be afraid. Whenever we do things to people, we're not looking at karma. Six and eight of the book of Galatians says, Whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap you. So to the wind you reap the whirlwind. But we don't want to believe that. I believe in karma. I believe I believe
3: God is a good God and He knows my heart.
0: I want you to shut up. Verse number nine. Proclaim this to the Gentiles. Prepare war. Wake up, mighty men. Let all of the, men, the mighty men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks in the spear. Let the weak say I'm strong. Do you understand that the Bible is showing here there is a time that God's judgment must take place? Or are you understanding that there is a time when God will execute his judgment and he uses his people to do it? But we, but we, we're like, well, we don't so-and-so. You used to so-and-so. And I remember when you used to, I did die They don't know nobody. Well, what happens is we learn to do what God says. And it doesn't matter what we've done before that we have been forgiven, and God is chasing us for. But those of us who don't pay attention to God's word, we destroy ourselves. Verse number eleven: Assemble yourselves and come, assemble yourselves and come, all ye heathen, and gather yourselves together round about. are my calls to the, the mighty ones that come down on your way. Let the heathen be wakened and come up to. The Valley of Jehoshaphat. See, you are you talking about the end of the world? What are you talking about the days when the Sidonians or the Tyrrhenians are going to be sold? What are you talking about even back during the days whenever they were having issues with the judges? The real issue is that there's a time for decision. There's a time when God's going to execute his judgment. There comes a
1: time when the heathen strength needs to be weakened and that God will execute his judgment, but we don't understand we're in war. What good is the What good is the word of God, if it can't control
0: us, if it cannot help us to execute God's judgment and execute His domain in the earth? Verse twelve, last part of that. For I will sit to judge. I will sit to judge the heathen round about. in the simple. for the harvest is ripe, come get down, for the press is full. The fat the fats overflow. Not flow, flow. Thank you. For the wickedness is great. Andrina, I will submit to you that this verse right here might not need to be in anybody's Bible anymore. Because what he is saying, put you in the sickle and draw out that which God has for you. Put you in the sickle and start to harvest. When you harvest, there will be some that is not going to be acceptable. He says the harvest is right. Come you, get down, the press is full, the fats overflow. There comes a time when you get the benefit from your harvest, and then there's another time that you go in, and you're going to look to get those things with the sickle that is going to be destroyed. It depends on how the passage is talking. In this passage, in this passage, it's talking about actually pressing down the grapes of wrath. Remember that song, I'm not going to sing anymore. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trembling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He's coming to press down. Multitudes, not just a few. Multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of Yahweh is near in the valley of decision or judgment. The sun and the moon shall be darkened and the stars shall withdraw their shining. All of your leaders, all of the things that you trust in, cataclysmic things will take place. But it says it's going to withdraw their shining. You'll have nothing you can depend on. There's nothing you're going to look, up, look at that can be stable anymore. And Yahweh will roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. You won't be able to depend on the sun. You won't be able to depend on the moon. You will not be able to depend on your government. You will not be able to depend on your power. You're not going to be able to depend on your might. But you will be able to depend on Yahweh. He's going to roar out of Zion no matter what happens. When he roars out of Zion and others his word from Jerusalem, listen to what the Bible says, the heaven and the earth will shake. Why is that? Because I come to execute judgment. I come to deal with those that need to be dealt with because they didn't feel like I was going to execute my judgment for what they did. I'm going to do it. And now when he says the heaven and the earth shall shake according to Peter, the heaven and the earth are going to melt with fervent heat. The Bible talks about God doing cataclysmic things at the very end of this world. But I'm telling you now, I like it. I like to read about it. But I want to know what God is going to do to our enemies now. Am I wrong for wanting that? Am I wrong you only want to know what he's going to do to the pedophiles and to those that are drinking the adrenochrome and to those that are mistreating the elderly and doing identity theft. We want the many times say, I want to deal with just the end of the world, but you don't want to deal with judgment here. You only want to say, Peace, 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 forgive, forgive, forgive. So none of the people that you read in the book of Hebrews that we call the Hall of Fame that I can remember ever taught like that. They're willing to go to the death of God. It says, for Yahweh will be the hope of his people, of everyone that roars from Zion, and the strength of the children of Israel, so that you shall know that I am Yahweh, your Elohim, Yahweh your God, dwelling in Zion in my holy mountain. Then shall Jerusalem be holy. When you know who God is, when you know that Jerusalem is not a land that we're talking about, we're talking about that heavenly Jerusalem. Why do you say that, Tim? Well, at one time he was dwelling on the earth in Jerusalem. But the last days came. And now, instead of having an animal sacrifice, we are now dealing with the sacrifice of the Son of God because the priesthood was changed. Somebody say, Tim, that's too deep for me. Just remember this, so that you know Yahweh your God. Dwelling in Zion, whether you think it's in Jerusalem or if it's in heaven, it says he's on his holy mountain, shall be holy. No stranger shall pass through her anymore. You're not going to just be walking around like there's no borders. You're not going to be walking around there like there's no laws. You're not going to be just busting up through the places. Well, then again, but then again, now, Tim. What about the dispensationalists? They're going to say that that means nobody's going to just come through Jerusalem anymore. They're not going to come through the land anymore. I don't see that, but I can concede it. But fully understand this. You're not going to be coming in ruling. You're not going to be coming and changing God's standard anymore. Now, if you're not walking through the land and you're changing standards because you have done sieges or because you have besieged something, you still are ruling over the place. He said, you're not going to be doing that that anymore. And it says, shall come to pass in that day that the mountains shall drop new wine. Well, if you want to be what they call literal, you want to say wine just dropping from the mountain? And you can say that. Or you can talk about the pattern of the scripture. Talk about abundance. talking about joy. It says drop new wine. The hills shall flow with milk. And all the rivers of Judah shall flow with water. Quite amazing when you're talking about rivers of Judah. Because from what I understand, there were not rivers going through Judah. That they would get to early and the latter rain. But God said they were going to flow. And it's going to be reminiscent of what you see in the book of Ezekiel where the water is going to come from the house of the Lord and it's going to flow and the people are going to be able to drink the water. Well, that's what some people talk about. Tim, what do you mean? That's what some people talk about. In Ezekiel chapter 47 and 12, in that vision, 47 and 1 is where it starts. Ezekiel says, After he brought me again to the door of the house, and behold, water issued from out from under the threshold of the house eastward. For well, the front of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from the right side of the house to the right side of the altar. And then he brought me to the gate northward and led me about the gate to the other way and looked eastward. And behold, waters ran out. And if you keep reading, you'll find the waters and you'll find an abundance of beautiful waters. And I believe the trees and things. I had not read Ezekiel 47 in a long time. But the point being made that there is life-sustaining water. There is life-cleansing water that's there. In the book of Zechariah, the picture is given in 14 and 8, Zechariah. And it shall be in that day that living water shall go out from Jerusalem, half toward the former sea and the other half toward the hinder sea. In summer and water it shall be, so when you're dealing with what is called dispensational, they say this is got to take place exactly this way, and one of the issues in dealing with that is is that if you keep reading, you're going to see a sacrificial system again, and if you see a sacrificial system again, you got an issue because Hebrews ten and ten says, "By the which will we are sanctify by the offering of the body." Of Jesus Christ once for all. What was that?
1: Zechariah chapter 14, verse. verse number 8. But Tim says, irrespective of how you see that,
0: whether you see it dispensationally or if you see it that it is fulfilled in covenant in a different way. You're going to see that the truth of the matter is, is that the water is coming from God. You're going to see the water and the sustaining comes from God. The cleansing comes from God. Somebody said to can you tell me exactly? Because I can look at these scholars on both sides. But the one thing that holds me is the sacrificial system. And I see in the t- Ephesians chapter 2, 19-22 that it calls the people of God the new temple. And these are some of the issues that are dealt with. But let me show you, Tim, what do you say about this water? I go to John chapter 7, and I will look at verse number 37. The scripture says, talking about Messiah in the last day, and the great day of defeats, Jesus stood up and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the spirit which they which believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. When I look at this passage, when I understand that the temple of God is his people, when I look and it says water is going to be flowing from under the temple or under the altar. Then I begin to understand that there's a way to look at this that you can see the fulfillment happening in his people. And if an individual said it is not happening in his people, you got a problem because he said it's gonna happen. And what do you get the Bible says you are sanctified by the washing of water by the word. I'm not saying that you don't get anything out of Ezekiel from looking at this passage or the water. I'm saying that there's more than one way to see or to see how this is going to take place. And since I can't give you the definitive like I want to, I can give you the definitive on this. I can give you the definitive that this is going to give you life-sustaining water. And I can show you the issues that I have. we dealt with that when we went through the book of Ezekiel. I just try to be honest about stuff like that. Because if I'm not, somebody asks me questions, then what am I going to do? Oh, well, I, I'll get back with you and then never get back. I'll just tell you what I see. But does that stop you from seeing that the water is going to flow? You see, the water is going to flow. Spirit's going to flow. Water going to flow. I don't have a problem if God lets water come down there because I've seen him do it before. He
1: took a rock. Moses, say something to it. Rock. God said, say something to you and water come out.
0: There's the water. Next time, rock. Say something to. No, he first time he said, hit it. Got it backwards. Next time, say something. You rebels, you. Got... And then he hit it. Well, God got him on that one. And he didn't get to go into the promised land. Let's go back to our text. A fountain shall come forth from the house of the Lord. I believe that water is supposed to be coming from us. I know that it's supposed to be coming from us. I'm not going to say that I'm excluding other, but we are supposed to have living water coming from us. It shall water the valley of Shittim. Egypt shall be a desolation and Edom will be des- a desolate wilderness. God did destroy Edom. As a matter of fact, he, Obadiah talks about it. I want you to hear how Obadiah talks about it as well. I'm not going to dismiss what um, Joel is saying, but I like the way Uzziah, uh, Uzziah? Obadiah goes in and spills it a little deeply. It says, for the day of the Lord is upon the heathen. As thou hast done, listen, as thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall be upon your own head. For as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so shall the heathen drink continually, yea, they shall drink, and they shall swallow down, and they shall be as though they had not been, but upon Mount Zion, but upon Mount Zion, again, but upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance, and there shall be holiness, and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions, I want people to understand something, you can look at this passage right here and say, that that mean they're going to get Jerusalem, um, I believe Paul is right when he says Abraham is going to be heir of all the earth. He said he'll possess the possessions, and the house of Jacob shall be a fire, the house of Joseph will be a flame, and the house of Esau for stubble. In other words, their retribution is coming upon them, not mercy. Not mercy. It says that they shall kindle in them and devour them and there shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau. But Yahweh has spoken it. Now, when you look through this, and J. Barton Payne talks about it, because I know that when I was a boy and I am reading this, I couldn't understand how, when I finally found out that Herod the Idumean was an Edomite, I couldn't understand
1: how people kept saying, Idumea still existed, because I had read, Uh, Obadiah, and I'm thinking all of it's destroyed. But what I
0: didn't know, because I think Alexander actually scraped it to the ground too. But now that was tired.
1: What what really got me was the land was destroyed, and the people, a lot of the people
0: were still alive to do their dirt. And if you don't see that distinction, somebody say. He didn't do it it said, no, the land, the land you see, cause a lot of time the people were tied to the land, a lot of time the land was their source, just like it was with Israel. Then it says, they the south it says, and they of the south shall possess Mount Esau, and they of the plain the Philistines, and they shall possess the fields of Ephraim and Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead, and the captivity, listen, and the captivity. Of the host of the children of Israel shall possess that of the Canaanites even from Zarephath and the captivity of Jerusalem which is in um, Sefer Shall possess the cities of the south and saviors or deliverers shall come up from Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau and the kingdom and the kingdom shall be Yahweh Tim why did you read that? Because when we're looking at this in Joel, it doesn't go into it in as much depth, but if he says it's going to happen to Esau, I can read here when it goes in more depth, just like I'm reading here when he said it's going to do it. Esau always had a problem. It always had a problem because the blessing was given to Jacob. And so he says, the house of uh, Egypt shall be a desolation. Edom will be a desolate wilderness for the violence against the children of Judah. Because they have shed innocent blood in the land. The reason that they are being judged is because of what they did. Now let me turn over here and let me pull out where you have your fulfillment. I mean, for those that might have this book or decide I want to look in it, they can look at it online, it's page 411 under Joel, chapter 3, verse 19. It says Egypt shall be desolate. Fulfillment. They put person sixteen. That means in the millennium. So when you, if you don't know, it, but they got a dispensational slant, you will be like, oh, it's got to be a millennium this way. The way it's taught in the Schofield, but it does not. It does not because you realize some of these things have already taken place. And it doesn't mean God's not going to judge it. It does not have to be. It's going to be in a thousand years, and the wolf going to lay down with the lamb, and 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 they're going to have a can of spam, and or whatever, you know, all the kind of stuff they're doing. It's going to be funny. It says, and it says, it inflicts for non observant of the Feast of Tabernacles. Let me read it again. It says, the curse of Zechariah 14, 18, and 19. Well, I read earlier, but I just didn't read it all. It inflicts a non-observant for them not come to the Feast of Tabernacle. Thus, my eyes again, bad. let me change this right here. Okay, I can see better now. Which will be the immediate cause for the lives of innocent Jews whom God, God vindicates. I will cleanse the blood of those that I have not cleansed. For the desolation will wipe out the wrong which they have done to the people of God. And which hitherto remain unpunished, though the verse could alternatively refer to Israel being made holy. The point being made here whether a person is looking at it dispensationally or covenantally, this is God's execution judgment. There's no way to get around it, there is no way to get it, it's too clear. It's clear on that I will execute judgment on those that deserve judgment and the time will run out for mercy. Because I hear people say, well, you know, the Lord is not slack concerning his slackness. Uh, uh, what? No, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. There comes a
1: time when he doesn't do that. Look at verse number 20. But Judah shall dwell forever what does that
0: mean well if Judah is going to dwell forever something's got to take place what do you mean The only way Judah is going to dwell forever is that all this stuff has to take place. If this judgment does not take place, if God does not execute his wrath on the wicked, the ungodly, those that have sold them, those that have raped them, those that have taken their land, those that have moved them from their boundaries, those that have mistreated their children, those that have done everything that they could to take their power to usurp their authority and to make it theirs and to Make this kingdom of this world become the kingdom of themselves. If God does not execute his judgment, it's not going to take place. Therefore, what do we see to take place to make this happen? Isaiah chapter 9. Beautiful Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Somebody can rule government. Somebody has the ability when they rule that the government can be on his shoulder. Somebody can do what's right and it says his name shall become wonderful. His counsel is like counselor, the mighty God. And here is one of the things that people have a problem with when it says the everlasting father and the prince of peace. The word order. In Hebrew, is not everlasting Father. The word order is Father, everlasting, a uh, Father of eternity, the one that created time, the one that's in charge. It says, "The Father of everlasting, the Prince of Peace." Well, if you don't want to hear that, listen to verse seven of the increase of His government and peace. There shall be no end of the increase. His government taken over. Government taking the lands. Government taken over. And taken over the hearts of men. Of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end. Upon the throne of David. And upon his kingdom to order it. And to establish it with judgment. And with justice. Listen to establish it, to set it up, to make it strong, to make it where it's impenetrable, to make it and uphold it with judgment
1: and justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies of hosts will perform it. Tim,
0: what was the point? The point was Judah shall dwell forever. Why? Because Judah is gonna be run in justice. Tim, where do you get that from? Because the scepter, the king, will never depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver to keep his justice going until Shiloh come. And unto him will be the gathering together of the people. And to be able to order it and keep his people in line, they will never have another high priest. They're going to have the high priest that God gives. What do you mean the high priest? When you hear Jesus says. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by
1: me. He's talking high priestly terms. No man could go into the high priest chambers. When he would go into the
0: high priest, into the holiest of holies, he'd go by himself. And when the Messiah goes in to make intercession for us at the right hand of the throne of majesty on high, we can't come to the Father except by him. We have to be in him. Just like the high priest had the breastplate. We're going to learn the word of God. And it says, but Judah shall dwell forever and ever. And Jerusalem from generation to generation, why? Because he's going to execute his judgment. Then it says, for I will cleanse their blood that I have not cleansed. For Yahweh dwelleth in Zion. How is he going to go about to cleanse their blood? How is he going to go about to cleanse that blood? Do you understand in the 35th chapter of the book of the numbers that we went through? That blood has to be shed when somebody sheds innocent blood. That's the only way the land can be cleansed. This is what the Bible saying? That's what the Bible Trina. It does say it. But I want you to see something. I want you to see that and I want you to see why when I talk about Ezekiel's temple and the water, I make the picture and I talk about Christ offered his sacrifice so let's look at this last part of this the last part of the the passage that we're dealing with Jerusalem is going to dwell forever Judah is going to dwell forever well Judah is going to dwell forever same thing I call it Jerusalem he said that he's going to cleanse their blood which he has not cleansed anyone that's going to take this passage And make it be the exact end of the earth. And it's got to be exactly, as they call it, literal word for word, like it is in Ezekiel. You don't ever allow for him to say that there's water that's coming out of your belly that's going to come out of you. And it's going to give you the thirst of the water that you need. Then you got an issue. And he says, I'm going to cleanse their
1: blood. Here is the issue. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. By the which will we
0: are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifice can never take away sins. Listen to what he's saying. If he's going to cleanse their blood, if God's going to cleanse their blood, is God going to do it or he's sending his son to do it? The passage in Hebrews says we are sanctified, we are cleansed through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Once for all, not dealing with another temple to do it. Once for all, and every priest is standing daily ministering and offering out for the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. We're talking about the Aaronic priesthood, it can never take away sins. But this man, after that, he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. do no, we want him to make his enemies his footstool or make them his friends. He knows the difference. He says, by verse 14, For by one offering he is perfected forever them that are sanctified, worth of the Holy Ghost is also witness to us. For after that he said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. After those days, after those days, when we talk about the end of the world, when we talk about the end of the age, where do you get that from? Hebrews 1 and 1 says, God, who was sundry coming in divers manners in time past, speaks to the fathers by the prophet, had in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has poured heir of all things, by whom he made the world, upholding all things by the word of his power. I will submit to you, he says, this covenant I will make with them in those days when I execute my judgment, when I'm executing my judgment to cleanse them, because I can't cleanse them lest I execute my judgment on wickedness. And those that will do right, they'll be benefited, and those that won't, they'll be damned. Didn't Peter tell him in the fourth chapter? Of the 11th verse, there's no other name whereby they may be saved. Didn't he tell them in Acts chapter 2 around the 38 or the between 38 and 41? He says, Turn, cleanse yourself, or deliver yourself from this untoward nation. It really means perverted. He says, I will put he says, I will make, listen, it's witness. This is the covenant that I will make with them in those days, saith Yahweh. I will put my laws. In their hearts and in their minds I will write them. They don't have to worry about borders no more. They don't worry about somebody coming and taking it from them. I'm putting my laws in their hearts and in their minds I will write them. And their iniquities and their sins I will remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sins. No more offerings to be made for sins. Listen. And therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness holiest by the blood of Jesus under errors. You never would get to go in there. Never, ever, ever. You would be put to death, brethren. I want you to understand. There is a Judah is ruling now. I need you to understand. Our king is ruling and executing judgment on all those that won't do right. Having, brethren, boldness to enter to the holies by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way that he has consecrated for us through the veil that is to save his flesh. If you're going to make another tabernacle, then what are you going to have for a veil? having a high priest over God. This is the point. We don't think of Christ as the high priest as we should. But when you have a high priest, you have a tabernacle. And if I were to read in the ninth chapter, it would show you that everything that Aaron did in his tabernacle was a shadow temple, tabernacle. What do I call it temple? Everything that Aaron did was in a shadow tabernacle. It says, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. That's the same thing as offer sacrifice. Let us draw near with the true heart of full assurance of faith. Not praying. Not pretending, not quoting scriptures and not living it, not preaching sermons and not living it, not saying that God can't execute judgment and not understanding that he's king and not living it. It's just having our hearts pure with full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. When are we going to stop being evil, lying and tricking? and going along with everything and not making a difference between the holy and unholy and our bodies washed with pure water let us hold fast the profession of our hope without wavering for he is faithful that promised we ought to be thanking God when he judges our enemies. We ought to be thanking God when he's giving us the victory. We ought to be thanking God when he's setting us up for dominion. We ought to be thanking God when he's waking us up so that we can hold fast our profession of our hope without wavering. And let us provoke one another to love and provoke one another to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together in the manner in some. It as some is in Italics. But exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. What do you mean? Exhorting one another as you see that the day come that God is gonna execute his judgment on all, the day God is gonna vindicate us, the day God's gonna fully cleanse us of our sins and our wickedness and make us who he wants to be. But then look at 26, we are almost through. But if we sin willfully after we receive the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. If you're gonna sin willfully, if you're gonna be wicked and ungodly anyway, there remains no more sacrifice. For your sins, but a, self, a certain fearful look of judgment. God's judgment, you deserve it. And fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. What king, what
1: high priest would not destroy the adversaries? Where, where are you praying for you to, to, to God spare you and you wicked?
0: You're the problem. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy. Now, what they say in 28, he did despise Moses' law, God without mercy, under two or three witnesses. Verse 29, of how much sore a punishment suppose ye shall he be thought
1: worthy? We don't think they're worthy. Of how much sore a punishment suppose ye that he should be thought worthy? We don't think he's worthy of more.
0: But he says, How much sorer? That means how much more shall he be thought worthy who have trodden underfoot the Son of God and have counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified, or that he was cleansed, an unholy thing, and have done despite the Spirit of grace. The Spirit of grace is supposed to teach you to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and live righteously and soberly in godliness present as you did it anyway. Well, we know him. And it said, Vengeance belongeth to me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. This is what God is doing. This is what we are preparing our minds and our hearts for. God, you say vengeance is yours. Vengeance is yours on the job. Vengeance is yours when the government does something to us. Vengeance is yours whenever somebody beats us out of our money. Vengeance is yours whenever they do identity theft. Vengeance is yours when we have hell and damnation in the home. Vengeance is yours whenever we have hell and damnation in the church. Vengeance is yours whenever they're doing things to our children. It says we know him that says vengeance. You want to keep praying and never ask God for vengeance? You don't sound like him. Vengeance belongeth to me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, Yahweh, the Lord should judge his people.
1: It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. A fearful. Do we care? Do we care? Somebody
0: will say, Tim, you don't care about merciful people? Look, I ask God if the person is not going to change, Lord, if the person is not going to repent, go ahead and damn and move them off the planet because they're going to keep doing stuff to your people. And I'm on your side, Lord. I'm on your side. And every time you defeat the enemies, you're doing your thing. And a lot of things we don't take is being fighting against God and fighting against his people and fighting against those that love him. And we don't care when people do things to the children we don't care if they do pedophilia, if they sell body parts, if we mistreat children. And Jesus said, it's better, it's better that your stink tail have a millstone tied about your neck and you be drowned in the sea. That means be killed, be dead off the planet. Look like you, because when you're in the water, it's like you're not on the, on the land. It can be
1: in the depth of the sea going straight to the abusos. Then it's in. One of his little ones. But what do we say? Well, it's not that big a deal. not that big a
0: deal. The book of Joel would not say that. The book of Joel showed people that are abused, that are sold, that are lambasted, that are driven out of their land, that have the word of God taken from them in their culture and their things that, are, that will give them their inheritance taken from them, that God will recompense them. We need to ask God, that help us to pray prayers that will be in line with his word so that he can come down like the children of he
1: did the children of Israel. He told Moses, I've heard their tears. I've heard it, and I come down to see about it.
0: With that I'm gonna end our message tonight and we can have a discussion or somebody can be upset with something I like am. We'll talk about it. But I want to pray, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for letting us know that you, will, that you are the God that will execute your judgment, execute your vengeance, and that you will vindicate us, and that you will lift us up and give us what we're supposed to have. You're not sleep on the job. The wicked will not always get to have their way, whether it's Edom, whether it's Ty, whether it's Sidon, whether it's someone we know, whether it's our government, or even if we are the one doing the wickedness ourselves, you will not always carry. There will come a time that our iniquity will be full. And you will let us at the last moment treasure up our wrath against the day of wrath and the revelation of your righteous judgment. And you will render to every man as his works will be. Help us to always be one of those that's looking forward to a
1: great reward with you. Amen. Amen and even so. Amen. I open our class. For discussion, if there's any
0: type of discussion that we'll have tonight,
1: we're open.
3: I think the message was very um entitled and powerful.
0: Right. Go ahead,
3: Gary. It's it's, it's just the storm. I was thinking about how you went to Hebrews and um I think it's Hebrews ten and twenty six where he was talking about there remains um if if you sin willfully there remains no more sacrifice for sin. And, and it it made me think of the verse. I think it's in Hosea, but I know it's um quoted in part by by Christ. I think he says, uh uh, um, I, I would have mercy and not sacrifice. Yeah, very interesting because a lot of people people want to look at Hebrews and say, "Well, he's the great high priest, and you know he, he will forgive, he will forgive." But that, that that's really something because he there, there remains no more sacrifice. It's it's that heart, you know, that mercy is not just a mercy. You know, so when I went back and I was looking at Matthew nine, where where you you were you were going.
0: To maybe alone, I probably listened to Hebrew seven over fifty times. I listened to Hebrew eight maybe thirty times. I did chapter nine because I, I kept hearing stuff. For the first time, I I heard no man comes to the Father but by me through the high priest
3: mm-hmm.
0: because there was no, no way that was, was like, I
3: had thought about it that way. But... There was
0: no way for you to ever come inside of that holiest you be put to death. You can even offer up your own fire. So there was no access to God except through the high priest. And this was a transient high priest, because it, he had paid tithes. Levi, who is Aaron's daddy, paid tithes in Melchizedek, and therefore that's a transient, because there was already a righteousness of law and statutes, that Abraham had followed with Melchizedek, then with Abraham, and so now you see that when he says, no man comes to the Father but by me, that's priestly talk, because you can't even approach the Father. I'm the high priest, and that he has made us a priesthood, and that's so we can come boldly to the throne of grace. And then when those that say we have no law, it wait a minute. He says with the change of priesthood in Hebrews, he said that became of necessity a change of law. He said the reason that the law couldn't help you before, first of all, is that the problem was you you fail. Secondarily, that priesthood was never designed for you to be able to come to me in totality because this was one made by man. The eighth chapter of Hebrews talk about, well, you know, this is one that's not pitched by man. As God showed Moses in the mountain. make it according to that pattern. Christ entered into the real one. That's why I can cleanse you. That's why I can do these things. So, the, as I was going through, just listening, It's like, man, this high priest stuff is blowing me away. And then I was thinking about the kingly part. You actually are king. You're talking like a king. You're ruling. So, Psalms 2, that's why in Hebrews 2 it talk about. When it says, we don't see everything yet on the main, he said, but we see Jesus. <laughs> and
1: then I'm thinking about prophet. Prophet. Aaron was a prophet. Aaron was a priest.
0: And yet the book of Hebrews, it lays it out and it says, oh, yeah, there was a lot of prophets. But he has spoken now through his son. Okay. If you don't understand how powerful his son is, he has appointed him heir of all things. Minute, what about Abraham? He has appointed him heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds. Who, being the brightness of his glory, the expressed image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, and when he had by himself purged us from our sin, he sat down and he rested. And then he gets down to the six verses and says, name one of the angels that he called. Today I have called you my son. Which day you say, I have begotten you? And then verse 8, he says to the Son, He says, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. I always think about no man comes to the Father but by me because he's God in the flesh, but that's a priestly role. And so when he keeps talking about that carnal commandment, he, Aaron was made after a carnal commandment. They kill animals, they kill goats, they, they sprinkle blood. He said, but this one is made after endless life. He said, all of those priests had to go away because they died. This one is made not like after the order of, um, what's that dude's name? In the book of, I don't even want to call him a dude, called Bart Simpson, uh, Zacharias. There was, a course, uh, order of buyer. Christ comes after the order of Melchizedek of one that you don't have a pedigree. You don't have father, a mother to look at. You don't have any of that. You can go back and say, okay, the next one's going to be, and the next one's going to be, you didn't get that with Melchizedek. So you have Christ coming after the order of Melchizedek. So when he said, I will cleanse their blood that I have not cleansed, because before then I covered it. It says day of atonement. It says the Akifar. And so to just say that we just going to forgive, no. I cleanse, I cleanse. I know what to do to cleanse it, and it may not feel good. It didn't feel good to me to cleanse it, but at the same particular time, as high priest, high priest is supposed to keep things in order on what you call a theological or a liturgical manner. That was the problem with Eli. You didn't keep it clean you supposed to spank those boys. Y'all, you, qu- you quick to judge Hannah because you didn't ask what was going on. You thought you knew what was going on. You thought because you had a cursory look and you thought Hannah was in the wrong and you judged Hannah wrong and you were wrong. Your judgment was wrong. You're fat. You're out of shape. You're old. You're decrepit almost. And now you're judging this woman wrong. But the one thing y'all said that he did right, when he realized he was wrong, not only did he seemingly do what was necessary to get it right, I don't know if God told him, give her what she want, grant her what she want, and she had that child. Let me tell you something. In this world, you're going to be judged many times. You may be judged by somebody that think they know God. You may be judged by somebody that does know God. Can you be like Hannah when you're judged wrong? When you judge incorrectly, can you say, I was just doing God's will and let God make them eat crow or let God
1: make them realize that they were wrong? But when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to the Son of God, He'll cleanse us. He
0: knows what it is. He'll cleanse us. It's because He dwells in Zion. He needs to be dwelling in our heart. I, I just feel like we need to start understanding. We're not doing warfare. We're just holding. What they call it? Holding the pew. Holding the, Hold the pew in church. Oh. We we not we not really we're not really looking at doing God's work. We just want to make it to the end. This is what they used to pray when I This is what they said when I used to go to church. They prayed, that I'll be the one. Pray that I'll be the one that the Lord is looking for in these last and evil days." Well, why would not want to be the one? Almost everybody, you remember that Gary? I just trying to hold on it and just pray that I'll be the one. Then some of them will say, pray that I'll be one of the ones that the Lord is looking for in the
1: last and evil days, but some of it cut it down, pray that I'll be the one. I remember. Andrea, what you got for us, precious? Well, tell Tim. Not one inch. Let me see if anybody on the conference line have anything for us tonight. Is there anyone on the conference line that have anything that they would like to add?
2: I have a question.
1: Andrina has a question. Okay, precious love.
2: Okay, so sometimes I hear um, the
1: Hebrews who are
2: who are proclaiming things on the street where they have their 12 draft charts and uh they're reading from the book and there are certain things and certain passages that they use that they say that they're proclaiming Mm -hmm. to the nation and one of them is this is here in joel where he talks about them and their children once they've sold they since they've sold into slavery their children will be sold into slavery and that, that they're going to be gathered together against each other and that God is going to judge them and they're going to destroy each other. They they preach it as such, in that way as if that that is a time still to come for the judgment for the slavery or the enslavement of the people here in the Americas. And so I want to know from you is that something that you would say it's not proper context, or do you feel like it's, you know, taken out of context, or do you feel that there is, um, there is still a judgment to come for those who enslaved our ancestors?
0: I'll answer that third one first. I already know there is a judgment for those that enslaved our ancestors and those that or those at least definitely have benefited from it. Those that enslaved our ancestors are already dead, not, they haven't escaped God. So I know that there is a judgment for them. Those that still benefit and they still have the arrogance to be able to walk around and benefit and have issues with it and have things to say that will still do things that hurt his people, God is not mocked. They're still sowing. God has never stopped learning how to reap. I mean, help people reap. Insofar as the way that they teach us that this is going to happen, I haven't really studied it like that, but I would say that based upon how God operates, I would say that, but I would look to make it mine or not make it mine. But I haven't heard heard them say it, but I believe that because of this happening, because of reaping and sowing, If that scripture that they're using does not prove it, but it's still axiomatic. It's an axiom. It's. Let me change the word. It is something that need, that will have to take place in some way or somehow because you've benefited from this, you've done this, and those of you that have loved this and enjoyed it and received the fruits of it, God has shown when you dig a pit, you get the pit. When certain things happen at a certain time, once your iniquity is full, you get the same kind of thing. So, But to, I don't, the scripture that they use, I might not use that scripture. I might take a long way to get to my point. And they may have just gotten the scripture said, oh, "I don't sell that stuff to him." Say, "I can use this one." So I'll go look at it.
2: I, and I understand what you're saying when, when, when it's the principle of those who enslave your children. Your children will be enslaved. So I can understand the principle of the just recompense of reward. That what just showing a parallel. Mm-hmm. that the very same thing happened to our ancestors. Very much so. And that their not, children not absolutely astrologic. sold for wine. When you talk about in Jamaica where they did it for with rum, actually did it for liquor, you know, those things actually happened. I mean, like almost exactly. And so when you say that those children and they they took their children from them, and sold the children and enslaved the children. And you talking about the under King language. John, when they made yes. them wear
0: those different kind of clothes to say that you that you gave in and changed your name? Right.
2: So not only did they enslave the people, they took the children and sold the children. And so it's the same thing that happened with our ancestors, and that they were enslaved and their children were taken from them. And so to use that and say, okay, so where where is the end for us? When it where's the judgment of us when it's, when should that when is that going to happen? Because it hasn't happened. But if you ask some of uh the white Christians and and these people who say that they're Christians here in America, they say, Oh, well we paid for it with the Civil War That's
0: a goddamnable lie. Because you all want to take over each other and so now you're gonna incorporate that in there that you play, because Abraham, I think, in his second inaugural address said something like that, but the hand of God bringing his judgment don't mean that that means you paid for it. You, got, you That was like a, a byproduct. For instance, whenever I go in, listen, when I'm nice to you, and let's say I come home and you've made me a steak or something like that, that's called a serendipity. It's a, like a fringe benefit. You don't have to cook me a steak, although I cook one tonight. but mm-hmm. the point being made is that no, there's a judgment that's coming, and the scripture that they use, I wouldn't be surprised. It's probably so good, even if I don't see it, because I'll have to prove it wrong before I did try to dismiss it. And usually, when it comes to stuff like that, they don't be wrong. But I, I'm yeah, because they
2: never say that. Okay, you're gonna be, we're gonna destroy you. It says the Most High is gonna destroy you, and you are gonna destroy each other. And, well, I know
0: in the passage here, it says I'm gonna bring the recompense. Right, and that's what I kept saying because in looking at issues in life We are people that don't want God's judgment to take place Neither do people want us to stand up for what's right. They want to tell us what right what is right? They want to be our Lord. They want to be our Savior. They want to be our King They want to be our standard and when you start talking about the standard of God you'll get something like this somebody's imposing a standard where do you get something like this? somebody's imposing a standard? That is what the gospel is for. And that's what it say. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine, but will after their own lust, heap to themselves, teachers having itching ears. That's what the Bible says. And guess what? They'll be turning to fables. Mythos. I like that you brought that up. Do you, what scripture is it that they brought that they bring out? Do you do they you?
2: use that where it says uh they've taken the gold and silver, talks about uh, taking the gold and silver, carried it to your temple. Um uh, re- also Judah And that's a repeated of thing that they do Jerusalem mm-hmm. and you sold unto the Greeks that you might remove them far from their border, and they say with Grecians they say there was a collaborative effort that the, the uh, that Esau mixed with the Grecians, and so through that that line, that they continued on to persecute uh, the uh, children of Judah.
0: I will I will make myself I will make myself no more about it because it sounds plausible, but I, at least if some if I repeat it and somebody questioned me on it. I, I, like to, I like to have my teeth in, you know, when you see those dogs, like, you like, oh, let's just take a baby. You put a penny, in a, a baby put a penny in his mouth, it's hard to get that penny out. That's the way I like to be about God's word. So I, I, I'm going to check it out because just because I feel that, well, because I know that it's a principle, I want to see if I can, I want to hear their argument. Because sometimes people have argument. And it's like I won't use that, but that argument is so close to another scripture. That it's like oh, I'll use this one because there'll probably some people that say I will never use that argument that um, Jesus is saying no man comes to the Father but by me. That's a high priestly type of terminology. They may never use that because the folk don't know high priest. But I'm going to see it, and I know that most time when I listen to those people, they're not stupid. The no matter of fact, they've been in the struggle for a long time, going against the whole world of saying everything you all say is stupid. All you want is an identity, and then when I start reading the slave voyages ship, when I
1: start looking at just books that were written by our overlords that say, "Wait a minute,
0: we did, we did do this, we." We even call them Yudin. a oh, Weheeda. Anyway, that's another issue. But thank you for bringing that up. What else, precious love?
1: That's horrible.
0: Gary, you got anything else that she provoked you to thought?
2: And he may have.
0: Oh, he may have because he I is wrong. Because it's,
2: you know, since, since it's the time where, where uh, black people in America are saying, okay, we want reparations, and we want to enter into the benefits of our ancestors' labor, mm-hmm. and that was stolen, and not just their labor, but their intellectual property as well, and the things that were promised that were never given. And, and this is the time that they make the parallel concerning Egypt and what was done in Egypt and the labor that was there. But there's another element. That this is another part of us being scattered and being sold, and that's another aspect of it that it leaves Egypt and it goes into. There's another nation that comes, and even though it was it was because of our weakness and our refusal to do judgment and justice, the day that we start doing that, and so you have them to come in and you see that same element, and you see, and it's like it's hard to, it's it's hard to. Say, "Oh, that has nothing to do with us, or, or our situation is separate, or you know, um, it's it's a it's a looking for a hope as far as the scriptures are concerned, and let's find hope in Him. Let's say through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures that we might have hope, and so it's. A I like the when you unravel
0: that scripture, so, it in that order. so that
2: we might have hope in the days that are here, and we can see." the enemy is still encroaching upon us, and they still setting up things where they want to experiment with us, and they are kidnapping us, and then they're taking our loved ones and sequestering them away in hospitals, and we never get to see them again, and doing certain things. We feel it, the encroachment again, and we're made to be the face of a virus, and certain things that you start seeing it's, going, it's starting again, it's the persecution because it never ended.
0: I also, in my book, Medical Apartheid, they had a virus that they did at the a disease and they found out it was because of something that was lacking because they kept giving black people peat guts to eat. I, I, I look it up, but it's, you're right. You, not only you make us the face of a virus, now you make an act, an act of sexuality. That's outside the realm of God to be equal with black. You make rebellious women that don't want to live like God say, that want to live any kind of way that they want to. They call themselves feminists. You make them equal with the things that have happened to black people and the struggles we went through, and many of them were the ones that were benefiting. It, like you said, it never. Stop. We must turn back to the Most High God so that he can go ahead and cleanse us up. See, when we turn to him and turn from our wicked ways and seek his face, he said he's got to do the healing. He's cleansing the land. When we turn, we make our effort and he does the rest. And when he turns it around, I'm telling you now, our overlords are going to let their mouth drop. Because when I look at the overlords that we have, I'm not that impressed. Look at what you've done with the churches, look at how you treated us, look at what you do in the school, look at what you do whenever you get to be in power, huh? You all do just many times as much as what you call the charismatics do. And you control everything and look at it. I hear you see here the late Greg Bunsen. Dr. Must Boston, talk about. Look at what you all do in academia. Look at what you do in the psych in the psychology department. Look at what you do in the health department. Well, I'm looking down, and I'm saying I see the same thing in every aspect of life that we are subservient to our overlords.
1: Every now and then, you'll find somebody that want to do good, but usually they don't have the power. God must fight for us, and He He's waiting. When that iniquity is full, I'm telling
0: you, they didn't know that that day before. They didn't know the day before when they were crying to God about Egypt. They didn't know. They didn't have have
1: a clue that God going to take an 80-year-old dude. They had no clue. But he said, I heard crying. It's over now. It's over. I come to act. I came down to see about it. Isn't that what we need now? Does our Lord come down to see about us? But we are too soft to ask God to fight. I'm not. I just can't be. It's, it's over now. I just
0: don't want to ask God to, to judge and execute somebody that doesn't deserve, that's why I pray, God, you know based on how this person is, is, Lord, give them judgment, I can ask that, I can ask to give judgment, Lord, they have violated, they have sown, they need to reap, because you said so, and Lord, you know if that individual will do more harm you know if that individual won't turn Lord, go ahead, please, kill them get this your enemy
1: pay him back to the face please
2: you know, when you talk about execute judgment and talk about the things that Joshua had said mm-hmm. about. You he's know, holy. Yeah, you can't serve the Lord. He's holy. The other Joshua had lots to say, and, and it was even more damning because he holds the keys of hell and death. Yes. And so, if just looking and quoting from his words in the book of Revelation. That's enough. That it should frighten it should. anyone because there is no unconditional love there. You see it. Tell me. Show it to me. Find it. I pay. God's love won't save you anyway. But Remember He used to say, "Repent, oh. or repent, or i remove your candlestick."
0: People say they, they they can't mean remove your candlestick because guess what? You have you got a doctrine. You got a doctrine that you brought from somebody that was not a Hebrew person. And you accept that over the word of God, and going to try to make me take it. I ain't the one.
2: But there comes a time when he says that the wicked be wicked still. Yes, and unjust be unjust still. Yes, and so there's a time when that happens, and he says that there are going to be some that are within and some that are without. And so that's enough that, you know, the whole thing about unconditional love, tells each one of those churches to repent. Repent. Those who didn't have to repent, he said, you better hold fast. You better. To the end. And so each one of them would receive according to their works. So many times, over and over and over again, he said, I give every man according to his works. Yes. And we have been taught over and over again in the churches that your works don't matter. What type of wickedness is that? That is satanic. It is straight from the pit of hell. And most people who teach that and who believe, who teach it and believe and love a lie shall have their part in the lake of fire.
0: Thank God. Thank God. I I see our son over here with us tonight. Red Darius over here with us. I'm glad to see that. But I'm telling you all, we. We better learn that this is war. And until we start thinking in terms of war, we'll still be thinking in terms of church. I give one more, I give one more chance. And I see, I see Angela Statham. Angela Statham, she, she seemed to really love God's word. I see Wayman and I see Emmanuel Jones. I don't know if they're still with us, but I'm glad that they joined joined us tonight. Because they could be doing anything. Instead of listening to this old man talk about God's word. But I thank everybody for joining us. If I don't see any comments, right. no, but may God may God most high, Yahweh bless us and keep us. Make his face to shine upon us. Be gracious to us. And grant us your shalom, which is much higher than the English word peace. Amen, amen, and amen. Thanks for joining us.
2: Amen. Good night, you all. Thank you for joining.
0: Thank you, thank you, thank you.
1: And share it if you feel the message is beneficial.